Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome to HBF once again. Thank you for joining us. If you're online, we are so glad that you are with us this morning. And uh, it's been a, probably a very busy uh, holiday weekend for all of us. I'm glad you're able to make time this morning to, to join us here at HBF. And man, I see folks I haven't seen in a while. Look at the filers growing like weeds over there. It's awesome. So it's amazing. So uh, if I haven't had a chance to get around and say how do, I will make sure to grab you after the service uh, at, a so, at a safe social distance, of course. Um, but uh, at any rate, uh, man, this is an exciting uh, day because we're getting ready to launch into 2021. And uh, I know, uh, by the way, if you're joining us online, we're glad that you're with us. We are really glad that you're joining us today. Pray that you're encouraged in the Lord. And uh, we're glad to have you all with us after a great week of Christmas celebration. Um, by the way, I want to thank those who also helped us uh, uh, Thursday night. We had a bunch of people working behind the scenes to pull off the uh, Christmas Eve service. That was a really good time. So, uh, man, I appreciate everybody gathering gifts, uh, setting things up, tearing things down, prepping music, all the things that went into that, the AV. Uh, you know, that's a lot going on, on in the middle of a holiday season. And so I really appreciate that. That was a great time. And so uh, I wanted to mention that before I got too far. And so in the holidays, we get real busy. And uh, and then, of course, just this coming week is going to be New Year's. And everybody's about ready. Every, anyone ready to forget 2020 and move into, you know, everywhere I go, everybody's like, oh, 2020. Man, it's terrible. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking about that. And, uh, and obviously, there's been some difficulties in 2021 or 2020. I, I hope I'm not a prophet there. In 2020. Um, but as we turn the corner and we're getting ready to focus on 2021, I thought, you know what, I'm going to just do a little inventory. Uh, and so I want to warn you, if you're a guest, you're, this is, don't get uncomfortable here. This is, uh, this is, you don't have to even participate. But I'm talking to everybody who's a regular attender, who's a member, who's comfortable being here. You're a first-time guest, I get it. Just kind of relax. Uh, but I want to ask a few questions. I want you to respond uh, by standing. Now, if you're a guest and you feel like standing with one of these questions, that's great. And if you just got comfortable and you're like, Brian, I don't want to stand up. This isn't reading the Word of God. So if you just want to diss me and sit down, that's fine too. I get it. That's fine. But I just want to, just want to do a little inventory and see how many came to Christ this year in 2020. If you came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Awesome, man. Praise God. Amen. Man, that is awesome. We aren't done yet. Stay standing, please. How many of you have... Um, have led at least one person to Christ this year in 2020. All right. And Bob, you don't have to stand, but you can if you want. All right. Stay standing. Stay standing. All right. Awesome. How many of you got baptized? Now, some of you guys that are standing already got baptized. But how many got baptized in 2020? All right. Praise the Lord. Now, now we're celebrating 2020. See, you didn't hear a lot of celebration about 2020. I, I wanted to get kicked off. Before we get into 2021, I thought, let's celebrate a little 2020. All right? How many of us joined HBF in 2020? Anybody join HBF in 2020? All right. Hey, yeah. How many of us, uh, how many of now this is kind of going from the spiritual. Please stay standing if you can. Uh, how, this is going from the spiritual. Uh, we'll get back to a little bit more spiritual in a minute. How many of you had a child? Anyone in here have a child in 2020? A physical child? Somebody's pointing somewhere, but yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, Tavins just had a baby girl. Praise the Lord. Um, how about um, grandchildren? I miss grandchildren. Yes, all right, the Coxes. All right. 
So there's life. There's spiritual life. There's, there's uh, human life. God's bringing life in 2020 in a culture where everybody's talking about death, death, death. And, of course, we're, we're not minimizing death. Uh, but we do need to celebrate life. Um, how many, uh, um, and that, by the way, the grandchildren, great and great-grandchildren are included in that last one. And then how many were married in 2020? Do we got any newlyweds in here this year? Any newlyweds? All right. I was going to ask how many got divorced, but I said, no, that's not a good idea. No, we're not doing that. Uh, how many of you, how many of you, any graduates from high school? Graduates from high school this year? Anybody graduate high school? Rachel, imagine Rachel. You're in, in Rachel's stead. Uh, how about somebody, college, gradu- college graduates? Bobby, please be, yeah, you don't have to stand. College graduates, okay. How about, um, uh, how, many, how many of you uh, made it through COVID this year so far without actually catching COVID? Yeah. Hey, praise the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. That's an answer to prayer. Pastor Steve was praying that nobody would get COVID at all. Now, I know we've had a few, but man, God's, God's hearing your prayer, brother. And so I remember he rebuked me one day because I'm like, well, we're all probably going to get it. And he's like, no, I'm praying none of us get it. I'm like, I'm sorry, Steve. Steve's got it right. So uh, praise the Lord. And a lot, of you have, a lot of us have not gotten it. And, so, um, and then how many of us have overcome illness this year in general? Yeah, several of us. I know. Uh, I know Pastor Randy's back here, and uh, we weren't sure you'd be with us this time last year. To be honest, Randy, and so we're so thankful. And uh, yeah. And I, I want to also mention all of our. You know, we have had Gwen Arney, Judy Steele, uh, Franny's also with us and doing a great job. But we also remember, of course, uh, Jim Boyette. Right. So be praying for him this morning. Well. That is, uh, a lot of us are standing. Isn't that awesome? We got a lot to celebrate this year. Okay, you can be seated. That was just a little exercise because, you know, the preacher can go long and it's, you got to move around. I should have done that about 15, 20 minutes from now. But anyway, it wouldn't have fit in the message very good. But before we jumped into 2021 stuff, which we'll do next week, I'll give a vision update and all that. I just wanted to celebrate 2020 because it is good. You know, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, right? It's so good to focus on positive things and to remember that even when everybody's talking about death, and, and, and there is a culture of death, there's a lot of things going on in our culture right now, and a lot of people are kind of bummed. But the reality is that God's been at work, man, and he's still at work, and he's doing a great job. So be encouraged in the Lord, and there's a lot to be thankful for when we stop to think about it. There's even more to look forward to in 2021. I believe that. And, uh, and really, that's what we're, really, that's what I'm doing in the book of Malachi. Is I'm kind of bridging. In the Old Testament, God was getting ready to go silent, but there were some great things coming when Jesus came in his advent. And that's exactly what we've been celebrating this last week is Christmas, the advent of Christ. And here we sit at the end of the church age, and we know the next big thing on the calendar is the catching away of the church, the coming tribulation, and then the advent of Christ at his second coming. And so it's an incredible time to, be, to really be alive as a Christian, to be able to celebrate what God's doing, and to be, uh, and just be in a situation where, like we talked about at Christmas Eve, we know that there's always great light right before, um, and the, the greatest darkness brings forth the greatest light. Isn't that true? There's a, however I said that, it really worked out good Thursday, but the greatest light is at the, how's that go? Somebody remind me. It's always dark, that's right, it's always darkest before the dawn. Thank you. Uh, what would I do? I'm glad you got that. Somebody remembered what I said. Thank you, James Horton. So, uh, so with the advent of a new year, it's, it's uh, customary for our folks uh, and all of us, right, to make resolutions. Of course, preachers always say, don't make resolutions. Um, you know, uh, 
uh, be resolved to follow Christ or, or whatever. But, you know, we all do it. Uh, maybe we're going to change some goals in our life, set a, a, a pattern for exercise or diet or financial goals, relational goals, educational goals, etc. This morning, I want to just talk to you about spiritual heart disease from the book of Malachi chapter 2. Now, this second chapter deals with God's command. So God's declared his love in chapter 1. The second chapter, he declares a command to the priest. We'll look at that in just a minute. But before we do that, I want you, we'll be in Malachi chapter 2. And so be turning there. It's the last book in the Old Testament. If you go to Matthew in the, Old, in the New Testament, flip back one book, you'll be in Malachi. Second chapter is where we're going to be this morning, Malachi chapter 2. So as you're going there and, and thinking about that, and we're thinking about the coming year, and you think about resolutions and things maybe you want to do better this coming year uh, after we celebrated the things that God's already done, which is excellent. Um, you know, there's some things that, uh, that are always important, especially as you get older. People start talking about having a healthy heart and all of that. We know Trish Newkirk. Uh, just had a heart bypass, quadruple bypass surgery. Praise God, she's doing well. We may be praising God for them. They may even be watching online this morning. So uh, we praise God she is out of the hospital now. So that's a blessing. And uh, and that's a good thing to, to be on top of because when we talk about physical heart disease, we typically list several things that you need to do. And every year, uh, these are things that people ought to be doing. Is they, they, uh, these are not my, I'm not preaching right now. This is totally secular. This isn't my wisdom this is just what, you know, the, the American Medical Society or whoever would say. Number one, you don't smoke or use tobacco. That's not, that's not good for your heart. Exercise 30 to 60 minutes a day. I definitely could work on that one. Uh, eat healthy food. Um, yep, that's always a good idea, although I, like, I do like fat food too. Uh, maintain healthy weight. Ooh, yeah, that's hard. Uh, uh, get quality sleep. Any of us struggle with that? Uh, man. Manage stress. <laughs> That's like our whole culture, man. Manage stress. Okay, how do we do that? Well, you're here this morning. That's one of the ways you do that is you seek the Lord. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And then assess your, your health regularly, checking your blood pressure and cholesterol and sugar. You guys can read all that on the board. All right, so, so those are things that they would say to do to have a healthy heart. And, uh, and you know what? We really should all be looking at those things, even if you're young, uh, because all of those things are good habits, good patterns to establish and as we prepare for 2021, uh, it's important that we we give. Uh, <clears throat> it's important that we focus not only on our physical condition, but most importantly, the reason I'm here this morning, the reason you're here, is we need to focus on our spiritual condition as well. And I've titled the message this morning "Avoiding Spiritual Heart Disease." It's going to take us about three weeks actually to work through chapter two. So relax, we're not going to get very far this morning. So just I'm going to let you know that up front. Um, but there's two major things that we're going to see while we're in this chapter the next three weeks. Now, and the first one is simply this. Um, if you want to avoid spiritual heart disease, um, you've you got to make sure. Um, <clears throat> um, where, where's my notes at? I've lost it. Oh, we've got to make sure that we, we are faithful to God's word, which I know that. And then the second thing is we've got to make sure we're faithful to our word. Right? So those are really the two things. And we, we'll be talking about that. Uh, in different forms over the next couple of weeks, being faithful to God's word and then being faithful to our word or otherwise keeping our word, right? Not just saying things and not doing them, but, but doing what we say. And so those are things that we got to do if we want to have spiritual heart disease. It's not nearly as long. There's not seven points, just two simple things. But you know, there's a lot packed into that. So let's do this. Let's look at Malachi chapter two. I'm going to let you sit this morning since I've already had you standing. But in our hearts, let's honor God's word as we look at Malachi chapter two. And we see uh, what God is saying to the Levites, and, and then in particular, the priests. And so as we look at the text, we'll see in Malachi chapter 2, 
coming off of what we saw in verse 14 of chapter 1, where God declares he is a great king. Uh, and he says in verse 14, notice what he said in verse 14 of chapter 1. But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male that voweth and sacrifices unto the Lord a corrupt thing. God is still fired up about bad sacrifices. He, these things are things that he's not happy about. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to rehearse all that. But he is not happy at all about these uh, nasty sacrifices that are being brought. And so now, uh, and we notice that at the end of chapter 1, he declares that, hey, I'm a great king, which is like, oh, man, he shouldn't really have to tell us he's a great king, should he? We, we know he's a great king. But they hadn't been honoring him like a father. They hadn't been honoring him like a master. And they certainly hadn't been honoring him, honoring him like a great king. And so you might be remembering some of those things that we talked about. Now, as we get into chapter 2, let's look at the text and see what, what Malachi, the messenger, has to say. He says, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. So now he's talking to the priests. If you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, and I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. He's like, guys, you're reaping what you're sowing already. You're, 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 if you don't listen to what I'm saying, there's going to be consequence. We'll talk about that in a minute. Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces. What happened to the gentle Jesus? Even, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. And you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, and that my commandment might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me, and he was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye are departed out of the way, ye have caused many to stumble in the law, ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all people, according as ye uh, have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal, why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant? Of our fathers, Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this message that you have given, not only to the nation of Israel, but obviously to us as well this evening or this morning as we meet together uh, to uh, just really meditate upon the Word of God, to give ourselves wholly to what you have said to us this morning. Lord, I, I don't have anything to say that's of any value, so I pray, God, that you would just uh, anoint the things that we're looking at in Malachi chapter 2. As we think about the gravity of what's being said here, Lord, may we apply this practically in our lives. Lord, give us things that we need today to hear, but more importantly also, Lord, give us the, the grace and the, and the ears and the heart to hear and then do what it is you've called us to do. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we're in this text this morning, there's these two things that we're looking at. We're only going to be able to look at being faithful to God's word this morning. That's the first thing that we're going to look at. If we're going to avoid spiritual heart disease, it requires that we're faithful to God's word. Now, I think that's like, well, Brian, that's the ABCs of Christianity. I've been hearing that if you've been in church my whole life. And then if you've not been in church your whole life, like me, you've been hearing it since you got saved, right? That's, that's, that's really the basics. But isn't it important? It's just like, uh, it's like anything 
that you do in life, it is always the basics, isn't it? It doesn't matter when there's, you're watching the NFL, somebody, something goes wrong, it's usually the fundamentals that break down, and there's a major breakdown. Uh, same thing in any athletic endeavor, anything in this life. Remember the skywalks, you know, down at the Hyatt, some of you are old enough to remember that. Just one small thing, one fundamental engineering flaw killed, uh, I think it was hundreds of people. I'm not quite, it definitely injured, injured hundreds of people. And, se- and several people were killed and crushed under those skywalks. Why? Because something fundamental was missed. And when you miss fundamentals, man, it, it can affect a, not only your life, but a lot of people's lives. Understanding the fundamentals is, is critical to be successful in anything. And, uh, and so you only get good at, at the, and get fancy at the other stuff once you've mastered the fundamentals. So uh, this is what the first thing that we've got to master this morning, is we've got to faithfully hear God's Word. We've got to faithfully hear God's Word. And that's as far as I'm going to get, as far as fancy outlining this morning. But uh, in Malachi 2.1, you see what the Lord says to Malachi. He says, or through Malachi, I should say. He says, and now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. Now, if you're, if you're a Levitical priest at the time of, of, this, uh, of this message that Malachi gave, your ears ought to be perked up. And the Lord is specifically saying, not this bud's for you. He's saying, this message is for you, right? Uh, it's a different spirit. He's like, I got, a, I got a word for you. You need to hear it. And so you, you might remember from my last message on the 13th of December that we established that everyone that is born again, that's, that would call themselves a Christian and has trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, is called both a king and a priest. And I gave you those references in Revelation 1, 6. They're on your outline again in case you want to look them up. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. And also it's referred to a royal priesthood in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. And we are not only, we aren't only like priests, we're also like precious stones, part of the priestly garments of, of the high priest. I mean, there's a lot of things that are attributed to the body of Christ. And as I concluded a couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about how important it is to have your identity. Uh, in Christ, to know who you are in Christ. And to remember, of course, we'll, we'll do that when we remember who he is. He is a great king in whom we serve. He's also our father in heaven, right? And he is the, he is the Lord of our life. He is our master. And so we, we, need take, we need to take ownership of God's commands. Now, literally, he's telling the Levites, this word's for you. And then he, as we read, he goes on to say, hey, I gave the word to Levi. I, I wanted to bless Levi. Levi actually... He did some things right. I'm not going to have time. Next time we get into this passage, I'll show you exactly the cross-reference in Exodus that he's referring to. But God made a deal. He made a covenant with Levi. And he says, Levi, you're going to rep me. You're going to represent me. And you're going to, they worked to set up the temple, the tabernacle in the wilderness. They worked uh, to, with the priest. Aaron's seed was the, the priesthood. And they worked to make, they made worship happen uh, for the nation of Israel. They were to be stewards of the word of God. They carried the ark around. They, they, they took care of the temple. They took care of all the things in regard to the sacrifices. All of that was the main reason God established Israel in the promised land was to what? Worship. They were to be a nation that worshiped the one true God and the whole world was to know about it. And as close as they came to that, of course, was under the apex of their kingdom under Solomon when the whole world came to see the wisdom of Solomon. Of course, that was just so God intended that so that he would point them back to the one true God, right? To the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now today, God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, does he? He dwells in our bodies. We're, our bodies are the tabernacle, and uh, we're looking forward to New Jerusalem someday. When we die, we get to go to heaven or get caught up in the air. We get to go to heaven, spend eternity with the Lord. 
And so right now God is dwelling in us, and we've talked about all of that. But even lost people are commanded to obey God's word, not just the Christians, not just the people who have God's word and should know God's word. And by the way, that's a process, isn't it? You have to be, you have to be taught. You don't get come out of the womb as a Levite and just know how to, oh, I'm going to go offer some sacrifices today. I'm going to go set up the tabernacle. I'm going to go set up the temple. That had to be, that, there was instruction manuals for that called the book of Leviticus and the, and the five books of the Old Testament, right? There was information, and then there were elders that helped them with all of that. There were pictures for the, the guys getting started under, uh, under Moses, right? There was a picture of the tabernacle. There was a plan so that they understood, and there was skill given to, to set all of those things up, and that was handed off. And that's basically what discipleship is. God has given us a blueprint. It's called the Bible. He's given us his word. He gave us the apostles, and they have given us what we need, and God has preserved the plans in the word of God. He's given us the local New Testament church to equip the saints of God in the word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God so we can all worship and spread the worship of Christ both locally and around the world. That's what we do, right? So that's, that's what it's all about. That's awesome. That's exciting. But you've got to grow in that. And, uh, and, you know, some of us don't even understand all of that. I didn't understand all that for a long time in my life. I wasn't a Christian, right? So I didn't really, I thought church was like something you did. It was like religious. And I thought maybe if I went enough times or maybe if one day I walked that aisle and I got baptized, maybe God would be pleased with me and I'd finally be saved. But it took God taking me out of a church setting, which I wasn't in very often anyway, getting me alone in an in a, in a educational setting with a man in an open Bible, to get me to understand that salvation came by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ and his finished work alone. And man, once God showed me that command that I needed to be saved, I just simply knelt down and asked Jesus into my heart, and he saved me. I was different. Before I even understood all this other stuff I just talked about, God just met me where I was at. You know, God doesn't just have commands for kings and priests and Christians. He really has commands for everybody. And so if you're listening to me online or you're here this morning as a guest, maybe it's the first time you've been to church or maybe the first time you've been to church in a while, what God really wants all of us to know is that, man, he's got, he's got some things we need to obey. In Romans chapter 10, God goes on about, in, to the Apostle Paul about his love for his people Israel and, and how he wants them saved. And in Romans 10, 16, the Lord says to Paul, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Obeyed the gospel. What's that mean? Gospel. I used to think that it was like the Gaithers. That's what gospel is. No, gospel just means good news. There's gospel music, but gospel means good news. And there's a message. It's a good news message that Jesus lived. That's what we celebrate Christmas for. Jesus, God became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. But he didn't just live. He came to die. And he died on the cross on the third day and took our sin upon himself. And he rose again uh, after the, on the third day. And, and then he ascended to heaven. He's alive right now. And the Bible says he's calling all men everywhere to repent. It means he wants us to, to consider in our heart. If you've never considered that Jesus Christ is alive, man, that's what you, you can't leave him in a, in a manger. You've got to understand he's alive right now. He conquered sin and death, and he, needs to, and he wants to dwell in your heart, but he, he won't do it by force. He's done everything he can do to offer himself a sacrifice for our sin. Now he's waiting on you to make a call. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I usually wait till the end of the message to get to this, but you know what? I want to start it there because that's really important to many that are listening because I'm not losing here in just a minute. But the reality is if you've never called upon the name of the Lord, you need to be saved and you need to be saved today. So God is calling. Some, God's calling somebody. I can hear it right now. So, so uh, anyway, so God is calling. 
And he's calling people to be saved. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, you know, we cannot hear God's command if we don't listen to God's word. Today in our culture, there's all kinds of concepts about God talking to people. When I preached at the City Union Mission, I'd hear all of these, uh, you know, guys would always, you know, say, God told me this, God told me that. You know, I don't know. Uh, maybe that was the alcohol. Maybe it was the met, or they usually smoke crack down there. Maybe it was the crack. Uh, maybe it was some other influence on their life. Uh, or maybe God talked to them. I don't know. But you know what? God, God definitely, if you really want to know God's talking to you, he, he will definitely reveal himself through his word. And he comes to these Levites and he says, I've got a word for you through the, through the prophet Malachi. And you need to listen. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, when it comes to being born again or being saved, the Bible says that we're being, we are being born again, or we're not being, but when we are born again, it's not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The word is alive. Jesus Christ is the word of God. He is the seed, the promised seed. We're going to talk about that later. We'll end there where we just started off. But keep, kind of keep that in the back of your mind. If you're going to be born again, you need to be born again by the Word of God. If you're going to get life, you've got to have life in you. It's not by just hoping in some random abstract concept. God gives us His Word. So 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, so you can know that you have eternal life. If you don't know that you have eternal life, you need to get that settled. You need to meet with the Lord in His Word. You need to obey that command to hear the gospel and receive the gospel so that you can know that you have eternal life. The only commandment the Lord is asking of a lost person, of a person who has never been born again, a person who is not saved, a person who doesn't have a relationship with Christ, a personal relationship with Christ. The only commandment that he is asking of that person is found in Acts 1730. And it says there, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men, all men, everywhere to repent. Red and yellow, black and white, Jew, Gentile alike. It didn't matter. He says, all men everywhere repent. That's the only command that he's offering to lost people today. He didn't tell them to go get baptized. He didn't say, go join Heartland Baptist Fellowship. He didn't say, he didn't say do 10 jumping jacks or 30 Hail Marys. He says, I need you to bring the broken and contrite heart. I need you to bring a heart that's prepared to receive my living word, the seed of my word. You need to receive the gospel. If you're here this morning and you need to do that, I mean, right now even, I, I will offer that right now. Anybody say, Brian, I need that right now. I'll stop what we're doing because it's that important. Anybody? I know it's like, Brian, that's like not even head bowed and eyes closed. You know what? That, you don't have to do it that way either. You just say, Brian, that's me. I am convicted right now of this. I need to get this settled. Eyes up, everybody looking around, in front of everybody. Anybody want to settle that? Okay. Now, if you're like in your heart, you are like freaking out right now because you know the Spirit of God's calling you to, to receive that, you definitely need to hang on with me and you need, to, you need to get with me personally or find somebody here that you know loves you and can open up this Bible and share the gospel. If you're online, call us. We'll help you. I, I know what it's like to know you need to be saved. And also I know what it's like when your flesh is keeping you from getting there. You need to obey the command. All right, now, beloved, that's my, that my gospel invitation at the beginning instead of the end. I, and I did that on purpose for a reason. Because the rest of what I'm going to tell you is to us, right? Everybody else says, that's not me. I'm already saved. Hallelujah, I'm celebrating. Well, good, we should be celebrating. We also got to know that God's got a word for us this morning. And the time remaining, I'm going to have to bust it pretty quick. 
I want you to see uh, that God, uh, we need to make sure that we lay the command that God gives us to heart. Lay God's command to heart. Now, in verse 2, God goes on to say through Malachi, if you will not hear, if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already because you do not lay it to heart. Guess what phrase is repeated twice in that passage in verse 2? Anybody know? Lay it to heart. That's right. Lay it to heart. Lay it. Did I help you? Yeah. It's, it's well, kind of, not really. You just got, you picked it up. You guys are smart. My words are kind of going off the screen there. I apologize. Um, and so, lay it to heart. Lay it to heart, he says, twice. Now, when we're studying the Bible, and you see God repeat himself twice, especially in the space of one verse, uh, it's a good Bible study idea, good principle, to go find out, why is he repeating himself? Because God is not Mel Tillis. I'm dating myself. You know, if you stuttered like Mel Tillis, you, you wouldn't have a job today. But at any rate, there used to be a country singer. Let me, this is like an interpreter. I'll interpret what I just said. So there used to be a country singer. Let me just for a show of hands in my own edification. How many of you know who Mel Tillis is? Okay, some of you. Not more than I thought. So for those of you that don't know, it's an inside joke with the rest of us. There's this guy named Mel Tillis, and he used to stutter all the time. Until he sang. He had a beautiful singing voice. And once he started singing, man, it was incredible. But when you, when you, when you talk to him, he, 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 he stuttered. Well, guess what? God doesn't stutter. He doesn't repeat himself. He says what he means, and he means what he says. And twice in one verse, he says, you need to lay it to heart. Priests, Levi, you need to listen to what I'm telling you. Okay. So what is God doing with all that? Well, this phrase, lay at the heart, is associated with what God said through Isaiah the prophet to his people concerning Babylon. And uh, lest I, I, I probably will lose a few people on this point, but I want to just let you know that this Bible is deep. There's a lot in here. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go deep here for just a little bit for the sake of those of y'all that have been around a little bit, I want you to think about the prophecy of Isaiah. I think it's on the screen, Isaiah 47, verse 5. Now, uh, God is speaking to Israel about, about this, this, these people called Babylon. He says, Sit thou in silent, and get thee into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans. Babylon was in Ur, Chaldee. For thou shalt, not, shalt no more be called the Lady of Kingdoms. I was wroth with my people. I have polluted um, mine inheritance and given them into thine hand. Thou didst show them no mercy upon the ancient. Hast thou very heavily laid thy yoke. So I'm just going to pause there, verse 6. So what happened is Israel, because before, before we even get to the, the, this time in Malachi, uh, they were taken into captivity by a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. He was a Chaldean. And he had, and Israel, God made all these great promises to Israel. Man, they thought it was going to be awesome forever because, well, God said so. And it is going to be awesome forever for Israel because God said so. But what they didn't count on is God letting them reap what they sow because they weren't taking his word seriously. And so he allows this king to rise named Nebuchadnezzar in the kingdom of Babylon. And Isaiah is prophesying, this actually is being written before they came in. Jeremiah was the prophet as they were coming in. 
uh, and, and, and the Chaldeans rise up and they come in. Now, get this. God, God uses the Chaldeans. He uses Nebuchadnezzar to, to judge historically Israel. But yet God is, while he's doing that, he's like, hey, guess what, guys? Don't get too big for your britches because I'm going to judge you. So be careful. Now, let's pick that up in verse 7. And, and thou saidest, I shall be a lady forever. Who? Babylon. Okay, there's, there's some prophetic emphasis there that I'll get into here in a minute. I'll, I'll be a lady forever. So that thou didst not lay these things, here it comes, to heart, to thy heart. You didn't lay these things to thy heart. Neither didst thou remember the latter end of it. Therefore, hear now this, thou that art given to pleasure and dwellest carelessly, that sayest in thine heart, I am and none else besides me, I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. Because, well, we're all that in a bag of chips. We are the greatest nation in the world. Anybody ever hear that before? And by the way, in Daniel's prophecy, given well, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, when you look at the, that statue and the, and the kingdoms that were laid out there, that was one of the strongest kingdoms the world has ever seen. And its residue is even present to this day. But, verse 9, you're not going to be there forever. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment, in one day. The loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and the great abundance of thine enchantments. Woo! Now we could study this for weeks on end. Historically, that literally happened. When the Persian, the Medes and the Persians came in, they, they overtook them in a day. They thought they were an impregnable force. And in one night, man, Babylon came crashing down. Boom! And it was overturned. But yet there's more to it than that. Because the Bible tells us there's a mystery Babylon religion. And we know in the book of Revelation, it's interesting, these same words, in which this phrase isn't mentioned very often in the Bible, lay it to heart, happens to be mentioned over there too. And so it's interesting. Now, God is giving us some understanding that the Babylonian uh, religious system is also hardened against the word of God, not just the king of Nebuchadnezzar and the old historical uh, uh, the, uh, country or the, the kingdom, I should say, rather, of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, and the Babylonian Empire that ended up uh, taking Israel out of the promised land in 606. They went into captivity for, captivity for 70 years and then were put back in in 536. And I think most of us know about that. That predated what we're reading in Malachi. It was even after God's restoration, after God's grace, after God had done all this great work to restore God's people. They were still like, well, oh, I'm going to go back and diss on God, which is why we're in the book of Malachi. And so God is giving us understanding that the Babylonian religious system is hardened against the word of God. The Babylonian religious system and, co- and the commercial system are both destroyed in Revelation 17 and 18. And I'm not, I don't have time this morning to go back and get into all of that. But God brings this phrase from Micah 2 and verse 2 and Isaiah 47 and verse 7 back up in Revelation 18:7, which is on the screen. And this is dealing with the destruction of commercial Babylon. He says, How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Exactly what's said in Isaiah. 
wouldn't lay it to heart. I sit as a queen and am no widow. God says, I'll, I'll tuck that away. We'll use that in the future when, when the Babylonian system gets completely destroyed before the coming of Christ. So religious Babylon is destroyed by ten queen, kings, uh, kings in Revelation chapter 17, verses 17 through 18. I'm not going to get into that in depth, but you can go look that up. They partner with the coming Antichrist, and then the Antichrist turns his bride over to his buddies, and they destroy her, of course, so he can get complete control and proclaim himself to be God. And in addition to that, the kingdom, the Babylonian commercial system, also gets destroyed, which is where the seat of Satan will be dwelling. Now, in Revelation 18.8, I will read this to you. From Revelation 18.8, the Bible says, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, just as the Bible promised, just as it did historically back when Babylon fell. In one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and live deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour, in one hour is thy judgment come. So that prophecy in Isaiah 47, not only did it happen in history, it also happened, it will happen again in the future. It's a dual fulfillment. Now, it's interesting because that really, I've almost covered all the mentions of lay at the heart in the Bible. And they happen to center around this warning to Babylon and this warning to the nation of Israel. Lay at the heart, Levi. Lay at the heart, Levi. Why does God, why is he so interested in Levi laying at the heart? Well, I'm going to get into that too in just a moment. Uh, you'll have to hang with me. But the, the, before I do that, I want to give you the last mention of lay at the heart. And that's Ecclesiastes 7, 3 through 4. It's a very familiar passage to many of us. It says, Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. And so um, it goes on to say, I didn't give you the whole reference. Let me get back there. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 is what I get for having Christmas on Saturday. Okay. It mentions the wise men will lay it to heart. Oh, I've got to go this way. Hang on a second. It's the old school. We do this. At once, used to, once upon a time, we used to turn in our Bibles instead of read it off a tablet. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 3. The Bible says, down in verse 4, the heart, is wise in the, the, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise men than, the, than the, to hear the song of fools. I've missed it. Verse 2, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. That's the verse I was searching for. It's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. Why? Because the guy that's alive, when he sees that person die, well, they're going to lay it to heart. Now, that's, that's a very practical thing from Solomon uh, that we can learn. But there's something else that God's teaching us. He's telling the Levites, he's like, hey, lay this to heart. Lay this to heart. Look at what I've already done. Look at what I've already done in regard to worship, Levi. Don't be deceived. And, and it's so important. In Jesus' earthly ministry, just 400 years later, Jesus himself would come at the first coming. That's why we celebrate Christmas. He grows into a, be a man, and he presents himself to the, same, to the leaders of Israel. And you know what their problem is? They can't hear his words. 
Well, it's not that they can't hear. They didn't need hearing aids, right? It wasn't like they had wax in their ears. Their problem was their heart. They had spiritual heart disease. And in John 8, the Bible says in verse 43, Jesus saying this to them directly to their face says, Why do you not understand my speech? And they're sitting there arguing over really their their relationship with Abraham and the father and who really has authority. That's the discussion that's going on when Jesus says this. He says, why is it that you can't understand my speech even because you cannot hear my word? Oh, really? Why? Verse 44. You're of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Jesus was saying, hey, I am of my father Abraham. As a matter of fact, Abraham didn't treat me like you guys are treating me, making himself equal with God. And then they're ready to kill him if you go on and read the rest of the chapter. They do not like what Jesus is saying. Why? Because he's speaking the truth and they didn't want to hear the truth. See, God is talking to the nation of Israel in Malachi 2. He's talking to the priests in particular, a, a group of people who he is he has set aside because their great-great-great-great-great-grandfather Levi was faithful to hear the word and do it. He says, guys, you need to make sure you lay this to heart. I've given you a responsibility to this book. I've given you something that you need to steward, and you need to hang on to that thing, and you need to do it, and you need to hear it, because if you won't hear my word, there's a reason. There's somebody else that's being worshipped. There's a worship problem. When our hearts become hard to God, they, be, they become hard to the truth. Beloved, when we won't hear God's word, it is a, it's an indication we got spiritual heart disease. There's a reason we don't want to hear God's word. There's a reason we don't want to read God's word. There's a reason that the word of God is something that we'd rather leave on a shelf. It's because our, our heart is getting hard. And we need to beseech God to give us that tender heart, that soft heart, that heart that God can, can entrust the word of God too, because the second point is God's there's God, God has consequences for selective listening. The word's consequences. In verse 2, he says, if you will not hear, this is your decision. I'm coming to you with a word. I'm coming to you to hear this. If you won't hear, if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already. Because you do not lay it to heart, because I will corrupt your seed, and I will spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feast, and one shall take you away with it. Now, they've already been taken away once into captivity of Babylon. What's he talking about? Well, we know that after they rejected Christ 400 years later, they went into dispersion again. They hadn't been recollected again until when? 1948. That's right. They got the land in 1918, 1948. Harry Truman signed the declaration, so they went back and became a nation. Harry, uh, the last president, or whoever's going to be president, Trump just signed in uh, 2018, Jerusalem is now the capital. So all this prophecy is being fulfilled. They went into captivity. Because when the word became flesh and dwelt among, dwelt among them, they received him not. Even though he gave them every ample opportunity, even after his resurrection up till Acts chapter 7, and we talked about that in the book of Acts. If you'll not hear God's word, you'll not, glor- you'll not give glory to his name. We won't give glory to the Lord of hosts. And we know uh, who, who that is, right? We know who we should be celebrating. We should be celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to wonder about his name. We know who he is. 
if we will not hear, God will, will allow us to reap what we've sown. It's a, it's a law. It's Galatians chapter 6. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. You plant corn, you get corn. And so our seed, he says, your seed's going to be corrupted. He says it's already getting corrupted. Right? They were mixed marrying. They had, their physical seed was being corrupted. He would already rebuke them of that, and they, they weren't listening. He's like, guys, I don't want you to have your, your daughters and your sons marrying the pagans around Jerusalem. Stop it. Stop it. I'm sure he was affecting their physical seeds, I mean, in their crops. Physically, God is speaking both of crops and the womb. Doctrinally, God is speaking of the coming Antichrist who will claim to be the one true God and take Israel away from their idolatry. Or he will take them away, I'm not from, but in, in their idolatry. There's a warning to the Levites. Hey, guys, you're the ones standing in the gap. You're the ones that are supposed to be stewarding the word of God. You're the ones that are supposed to be ensuring that worship stays on track. Because if you don't, there is one. Notice what it says very carefully in the text. There's one. There's one. Look at that. Malachi chapter 2 and verse, and verse 3. At the end of verse 3, he says, And one shall take you away with it. With what? Your messed up sacrifices. Your idolatrous sacrifices. There's one that's going to come and take you away. Now, this is a prophecy. Again, it's another dual prophecy. They're do- obviously, we know Israel is to worship the one true God. But in Genesis chapter 49 and verse 16, the Bible says there's a, there's a tribe named Dan. And it says, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse's heels so that his rider shall fall backward. This is a prophecy of dual fulfillment for Dan. The first fulfillment is found in, in the history of Israel. In Judges chapter 17 and 18, it just so happens that it's the same numbering of the chapters as we find in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Israel is led off into false worship. And Dan's history is directly correlated with idolatry through the rest of the whole Bible, even to the book of Revelation. And is directly correlated to the demise that allowed Babylon to come in and take him captive. Why? Directly related to the prophecies that we looked at in Revelation chapter 18, Revelation chapter 17. Why? Well, in Judges 17, we find a thief. He's a thief. He's playing games just like the people that, that Jesus or that God's talking about, well, Jesus is talking about in Malachi. People that are being religious, they're acting all they're acting all religious. They're going to church every week, but the truth is, they're a sham. They're a sham. It's a joke. They're not really worshiping the one true God. They're giving him leftovers, they're going through the motions, and they're profiting themselves, and it's not it's just it's just going through the motions. They're not really worshiping the one true God. They're not giving him their best. They're giving them the leftovers. And so this, this guy steals 1,100 shekels of silver. His name's Micah. And then his mom starts saying, Cursed be the man! And he's like, oh, that's me. Hey, mama, I stole that 1,100 shekels of silver from you. She says, oh, blessed be my sweet boy. And so he goes off and he makes a molten silver image and he sets it up at the house, man. They're just having their own religion. They're doing their own thing. I mean, hey, they had the internet. They can do whatever they want. They just dialed it up and had church. 
And so, so they just, they just worshiped that molten image right there. And they, and they just went after that thing. And, and then one day this, this guy from Levi comes by a guy who should have been up at Shiloh helping with the, the sacrifices. He wanders off. I don't know why we are not told, but he's just wandering around through down through uh, the, the neck of the woods where Micah lives. And, and he hires him up preacher for hire. He had a good salary, good benefit package, brings him in, says here, I got, a, I, got, I got this uh, molten image set up here. We're worshiping the Lord. Won't you be my priest? I got plenty of cash. So he's like, hey, this is a good, sweet deal, man. Uh, I'm going to do this thing. Forget what God said in the Bible. Forget what God established in his word. We're going to do our own thing now. We're contemporary. And so, so they're doing that thing. But what he doesn't bank on, that's chapter 17. It's a false religion. But what he doesn't bank on is the tribe of Dan. They're doing their own thing too. And they're going to go set up their own kingdom and their own religion. And one day they roll by and they say, hey, Micah, that's a nice molten image you got there. Let's take that. And, oh, by the way, we're going to take your Levitical priest with us. And Micah's out there, but, well, you just stole my religion. Because he had a religion, not a relationship. And they're like, hey, uh, Micah, stop right there, man. If you want to live, uh, you you just stay there. So Micah has to go off. Probably the best thing that ever happened to that guy. He has to go off and deal with losing his religion. Maybe someone this morning needs to lose their religion and find Jesus Christ. And then Dan goes off. They, they conquer this group of Zidonians. Sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie, you know, in Marvel Universe. They go down and they, and they, and they, they conquer these peaceful people. Not much of a, bi- a battle. These people are like hanging out, thinking everything's good. They come in and take them over. They set up their little kingdom there. And they set up the idol, and they set up false worship. And that false worship lasts all the way until Israel's taken into captivity by Babylon. In Judges chapter 18, verse 31, the Bible says, And the children of Dan set up the graven image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan. They even set up a priesthood until the day of the captivity of the land, until 606. And they set them up, uh, Micah's graven image, which he made <clears throat> all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. God throws that in there. While the tabernacle was set up in Shiloh, he calls it the house of God. While God was dwelling and tabernacling with Israel in Shiloh, they had their own other religious thing going on over here. It's a little bit like Revelation chapter 3. God's over here doing one thing, standing at the door knocking, getting ready to call up the church other people. They don't even hear his voice. They're doing their own thing. Hundreds of years later, Jeroboam, the son of Solomon, fighting to, di- to divide the kingdom of Israel from Rehoboam, his brother, set up idols of gold in Bethel and continued to use the one that was already set up in Dan. First Kings twelve twenty nine says, and, and he set up one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. And this thing uh, did because the sin of the people to worship before the one even unto Dan. He did so so Israel would not unite under Rehoboam, and Jeroboam could have his own kingdom. There's a lot of people wanting to have their kingdoms. And he led them away from worshiping God through idolatry. And this caused a division in the nation of Judah and Benjamin. So they separated out. And the ten tribes of the north were serial idolaters until they were taken captive in Babylon. So this, this lasted until Second Kings chapter 10 and verse 28. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel, howbeit uh, from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not from after them to wit the golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. It says Jehu destroyed everything but the false idols 
set up by Jeroboam and Dan and Bethel. That idolatry hung with them. Jehu was a good king, and he, did, he didn't get rid of all the idols. He, didn't, he wasn't able to get rid of all the idols. And in Amos 8, the Bible says in verse 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. You see, there was a day that was coming. God was telling the, the, the Levites and Malachi, Listen, this word's to you, and you better hear what I'm saying, or you're not going to hear from me. And that's exactly what happened. Silence for 400 years. Silence. And they went to wander from sea to sea, from the north even to the east. They shall not run fro, uh, to, uh, and to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst. They that swear by the sin of Samaria. What is that? Those are those idols that Dan set up. And say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth, and the manner of Beersheba liveth, even they shall fall and never rise up again. God is saying, hey, you know that, that prophecy of Dan back there, going all the way back to Judges, Judges 17 and 18, all the problems that's caused through Jeroboam, all the problems that's causing the nation of Israel, listen, listen, that's why I'm going to turn off the, the sound. You're not going to hear what i got to say anymore. If you continue in idolatry, you're not going to hear from me anymore. Beloved, that's a, that's a warning. You know what? Because in the New Testament, if we worship any other God, you know what that is? It's idolatry. You can't worship money. You can't worship people. You can't worship anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the wise men came to Jesus, because they knew who they were supposed to worship. You know why the king wanted to kill all the little ones, two and under? Because he wanted to be worshipped. We've got to make a decision. Who do we want to worship? Do we want to worship ourselves or do we want to worship God? When we choose to worship our, ourselves, other people get hurt. And that's exactly what happened. Dan hurt his own nation. The prophecy of Dan's judgment is fulfilled in total in the coming tribulation when God seals 144 Jewish male virgins in Revelation 7, verse 4. The tribe of Dan and Ephraim, those two tribes are noticeably absent. He lost his inheritance. You would know that Levi in Malachi 2.4, a tribe that has no physical inheritance, replaces Dan, and then Joseph replaces Ephraim in those texts. I'm not going to turn there this morning, but you can go back and look at Revelation chapter 7, verses 5 through 8, and you can see that of the 12 tribes, Dan and Ephraim are missing. Inspirationally, let's get practical or it's not preaching. We understand that Satan has been attacking the Word of God since Genesis chapter 3. And he's corrupting the worship of Adam and his fallen race. We celebrate Christmas. We celebrate it this past week because Jesus is the Word of God. He is God with us, Emmanuel. The fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies, so precisely that no mathematical calculation could have predicted it to come out exactly the way it did, unless it's divine. It was divine revelation of God, divine fulfillment of God's Word. The Scripture says... Beloved, that we are born again by the Word of God. God's Word is so powerful. We've already covered that in verse 23 of 1 Peter chapter 1, but it says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Beloved, there's a reason why this book's been attacked for the last 120-some years. Because it's an incorruptible seed. There's a reason you better hold fast to the faithful word as you've been taught. 
Some people don't even understand all that. That's fine. But if we do understand it, man, we need to, we need to hold fast. For 120 years, there's been a con- concerted effort upon God's word to corrupt the seed of God's word with genetically modified versions of the Bible that attack the very deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. It wants to mess up the seed. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not the guy that says you can't get saved out of another Bible version and all that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is there's a concerted attack on our God and our Bible. And you know why? Because people are going into idolatry. It's our job to hold fast the faithful word as we've been taught. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. And he's called us. And there's a blessing and there's a curse if we forsake God's word. And in this text, I'll just remind you what he told the Levites. He says, Our filth, your filthy sacrifices, your solemn feasts, you know what I'm going to do with them? I'm going to rub them in your face. You know what he's saying? I'm not even going to say in the common vernacular what he'd say. You guys would be cussing. But he's saying, you stink. Your sacrifices reek. I'm going to t- they smell. They don't smell. They're not a sweet-smelling savor. They, they're rotten because you're not really serious about worship. I'm not saying this, y'all. I'm sure you're serious about worship. But my, my point is, isn't that, a, isn't that a sober warning to all of us? As I'm putting this message together, I'm like, oh, God, forgive me. And let's be serious about worship and God. Let's be serious about his word. How light we take his word. We esteem it lightly. You know what? You take this word too lightly, before long you're not going to read it. Before long you're not going to remember it. Before long it's just going to become, well, like light bread. It'll be like the man in the wilderness. It'll just be like, ah, whatever. And before long you won't have it anymore. The filthy sacrifices of the solemn feast rubbed in our faces. Remember those grizzled sacrifices? Matthew or Malachi 2 3, those are strong words that come from a, a strong odor. And what God was saying is He didn't want a bunch of half hearted, corrupted, and perverted sacrifices. He gave His best. He gave His best. And our very best is paltry compared to His, obviously. It's not about comparing ourselves with Him, it's about honoring the King of Kings, the great mighty King, a Father, a great Lord. You know what they would do with the dung? They would take it outside the camp and bury it to hide the smell, to get rid of the stink. You know what God's saying? I'm about to go outside. I'm about to put you out of fellowship. Not that they're going to lose their promises, but they went out of fellowship. They went in dispersion for over 2,000 years almost. And they still haven't figured it out. God prefers we bring the sacrifice, and this is where we got to get the rubber meat in the road as we wrap up this morning. What's the sacrifice that he's looking for? I'm like, man, Brian, my works don't count. I can't get baptized. I can't, what, what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. You're supposed to bring him your heart. Oh, I did that when I got saved. Oh, yeah, I know. I did too. I did too. But what about today? What about yesterday? Am I offering my heart? Oh, well, the leftovers. Once I've filled it with everything I want, if I got a little bit of want to at the end of the day, maybe I'll give them a little bit of my heart. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about the first fruits. The first, I mean, I mean, before my wife, 
before my kids, before my mom, before my dad, the, fir- the person who keeps my lungs working, the person who gives me brain function, the person who keeps me upright, the person who quickened me and brought me into this world. That's the guy. That's the one who says, hey, Brian, give me a little bit of first fruits. Open up my word and hear from me while I'm talking to you. Else you may not hear from me anymore. Oh, you're not going to lose your salvation, Levi. You're going to be a priest forever. You're going to be a king forever. But you can simply lead everybody else astray. I'll get to that next week or next time. There's serious consequences to letting go of the word of God, to giving God your second, your third, your fourth, and fifth best. And I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. If something falls on you, then praise the Lord. Psalm 51 says this. Verse 17, and familiar to many. Again, I'm not telling you all a lot of things. Some of this stuff, I'm sure they're putting some things together. But now I'm getting back to the basics, to the fundamentals, blocking and tackling, or kicking and throwing, whatever sport you're into. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. Man, that's great news. In a world that is broken, a world that's hurting, that's all you got to do is bring your broken heart to him. Keep your heart soft. Keep it tilled. Don't get hard. First Samuel fifteen twenty two says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices and obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than to the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as the iniquity of idolatry. Idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. You know, God judged Saul very harshly. who He himself being a type of antichrist. Because why? He started monkeying around with the worship. He wouldn't wait on the Lord. He wanted to do his own thing. He wanted to be the king. Well, he could be the king. God said, that's fine. Be the king, Saul. But I need you to wait on the priest. And he wouldn't do it. He took matters into his own hands. Just like the coming Antichrist is going to do. And come in an abomination that makes desolate. And it's going to mess up a whole nation and a whole world. Because someone got out of their lane. You see, before there was an Adam and Eve, there was a war for worship. And beloved, that war for worship is carried right on to this day. And it's raging right now as I speak. And whether you know it or not, you're right in the middle of it. And you've got to choose you this day who you're going to serve. Whether the gods of this world or the one true God who has given you a pure word that you can hang on to, that you can listen to, that you can, you can, man, you can give your whole heart to, and you will see God bless you beyond what you could ask or think. Look to him. You know who, you know, the, you know who does, think about this, the trouble that Saul got into because he wanted to be the priest when he was just called to be the king. And the influence that he had before David the king came. I just want you to think about this. In the Bible, there's very few people that are called kings and priests. You guys are one of them, if you're born again. You are kings and priests. You are very special to God in heaven. The fourth verse of Malachi 2, that's what, and I'll get into that next time. 
God is laying out his heart for Levi, saying, you're special to me, Levi. I have made a promise with Levi. You're part of that promise. Beloved, I think that there's anything the church is misunderstanding and upside down and backwards on is that we feel like we have no influence. And beloved, we are the most influential people on the planet if we don't get distracted with everything else. Our job is to worship. Our job is to stay focused on the word of God. Our job is to love God and to love people. It sounds simple. It sounds like basics. But beloved, if you stick to that, you're going to get to eternity and you're going to be saying, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I did what you called me to do. God is speaking to the tribe of Levi because they are special to him and their influence upon the nation of Israel was critical for that nation not going off into well, captivity. It was critical to them understanding that when the Messiah came, they would see him. But they missed him. We'll learn more about that in the weeks to come. But this morning, I just want to say, maybe you've never gotten saved. Today's the day of salvation. If you need to be saved, let's just go to, let's stand together in attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time just to meditate.